I know it's not Christmas, but permit me to bring up the classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe you remember the story. It's the story of George Bailey who has gotten down on his luck and believes that his life does not matter, that it's a mistake, that it wasn't worthwhile, that he's never accomplished anything. And the story of his guardian angel, Clarence, who comes to show him that there has indeed been purpose in his life. It's a great movie. It's one of my, my favorite Christmas movies. And there's a line in that movie that gets repeated a few times. Maybe, maybe you remember it. It goes like this. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. You see, Clarence had not ascended the ranks of angels yet, at least according to this story. He was still trying to get his wings. He hadn't really made it, according to the movie. He had been an angel for 293 years. But before that, he had been a clockmaker as a man when he had lived here and now. But do you see what that message implies? See, it implies that Clarence used to be a human being and is now an angel. It teaches us, at least this movie does, falsely, I might add, that, that when we die, we become something else. And so our loved ones are now watching over us as our guardian angels, but nowhere in Scripture does it make that claim. We don't become something different. We don't change who we are, and yet that story, that, that narrative, fits with our culture's view of, of spiritualizing everything. And so we hear movies like It's a Wonderful Life, which I still love, even though I know that that's not true. And other movies from our contemporary culture that tell us that our goal is to get out of this life, to get out of these bodies, to become something, someone different, because surely this, this can't be what we are destined for. Even though at the end of Genesis 1, God declares that when he made us, we are very good, that we were the pinnacle of his creation. And yet we seem to long to escape to get out to become something different, whether or not that's an angel or to just escape these forms and become our true essence in spirituality. But that's not the Christian story. That's not the Christian claim. See, in today's reading from Acts, as Jesus ascends into heaven and disappears from sight, the apostles are, are standing there and two men in white, two angels appear and ask them a question, why are you looking up? Maybe it's a passage that you've overlooked, a phrase that you just didn't put much too, too much significance into. It's easy to pass by. But I think that this phrase has a lot to say to us. It has a lot to say to us today, and it's incredibly important, especially in our culture with so many misconceived notions about the afterlife, about heaven, about what is to come. You see, when they ask this question, why are you looking up? It's because it seems like the apostles are longing to escape. And the angel's point is, God has placed you here. This is where he wants you. He doesn't make mistakes. He has you exactly where he needs you. See, don't look up and try and get out of this world. Jesus and God has left you here for a reason. In John's gospel, when Jesus is saying his final prayer, the high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus does not pray for the disciples to be taken out of the world but that you and I, his disciples, would be guarded while we are in this world. That we would shine his light because he has work for us to do here and now. 
See, immediately after this phrase, why are you looking up? The angels continue. He, that is Jesus, will return in the same way as you saw him depart. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back here to us in this world. See, this entire passage, I think the statement of the angels can be paraphrased like this. Why are you trying to escape from this world when God still has work for you to do here and now? He has you here for a reason, for a purpose. See, the ascension of Jesus is, is not about him abandoning us for some other place now that he's conquered everything and that we long to get where he is, that hopefully someday we'll get there, but maybe not today. See, the entire point of the story in Acts is that Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return. Jesus, who has ascended to the Father, is going to come back. And on that day, he will judge the living and the dead based on faith in him. He will set the wrongs right. He will heal what has been broken. He will come and glorify these bodies. He will perfect and restore all of creation. And he's going to bring us into his new kingdom that he has established here on this earth. See, Revelation 21 declares that a new heaven and a new earth has been created and God will walk with his people in the city. God is going to come back and set things right. But in the meantime, Jesus has ascended to the Father. But he's going to come back. And until he comes back, until he returns, he hasn't left us alone. He has sent the Holy Spirit to strengthen us for the journey, to empower us for the work that he has called us to do as his people. Jesus is going to send the Spirit. See, our story, our hope, is that on the last day, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But until then, in the meantime, what are you and I supposed to do? What are we as God's people supposed to do? Well, we're not supposed to stand here longingly looking up, wishing we could just get out of this world and out of this mess. That's not what God wants us to do. And we aren't supposed to hide behind these four walls, lock the doors, twiddle our thumbs as, as people who are helpless, wishing something would change and wishing Jesus would return sooner than later because we can't do anything. No, as God's people, we rise in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has said that powerful on high will come upon us when the Holy Spirit is sent to us. And for the apostles, that was Pentecost. A week from today, the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles. But for you and I, that Holy Spirit has been placed upon us in our baptism. We are now those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit as God's people. But what are we supposed to do with this power that Jesus has given us, with this, this helper who has been sent into us to strengthen us? Well, we go out as God's witnesses. We testify to what we have seen and heard. And while we have not seen Jesus crucified and risen in the flesh the same way the apostles have, we have seen his glory. We've seen it in other people. We've seen it in those around us. See, God shows us his power to transform by his grace that has helped us overcome sins. 
And we've seen it in display in those around us. We've seen God's power to transform lives. See, I, I think about the way I've seen it in other people. And I think about those who had been slaves to drugs or alcohol who have now been liberated by the gospel, by finding that freedom in Christ. I think of, of people who have grown up in broken and abusive families, but have broken generational patterns by God's grace. I think of people who had spent their whole life chasing after the accolades and the promotions in work, thinking that that would satisfy them, realizing in the end that it's all empty and that what matters most is their relationship with God and that God wants us to care for and love other people and that means we have to be attentive to them and to slow down and realize that that the end-all, be-all is not work. And so God frees us to live in relationships See, by God's grace, we, you and I, have seen our lives and the lives of others around us transformed by the good news of the gospel. And so we as God's people, we continue to go out and proclaim this grace. We witness to what we have seen and heard. See, in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. He does not say, will you be my witnesses? He doesn't say, may you be my witnesses? He doesn't say... You know, if it's not too much trouble and it's not an inconvenience, if you have the time, could you put in a good word for me once in a while? No, Jesus declares that as his people, we will be his witnesses. It's not a choice. It's not an option. We just are those people. And we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem. That is in our cities, in Judea, in the surrounding countryside, in Samaria, in the counties and states and nations nearby and around the world, our lives that have been transformed by God's grace will witness to his glory. So we proclaim the hope we have. And it's not hope for escape. It's not longing to get out of these bodies or out of this world. Rather, we as God's people bring our hope to bear on this world, knowing that Christ will return, that God does have purpose for this place, that it does indeed matter. So when you think about the end of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, do you remember how it ends? So George Bailey finally comes to see as all those who he's helped throughout his life gather around him and lift him up. See, all those small things that he had thought were insignificant, the small things he'd done, uh, the, the actions he'd taken that he thought didn't really matter, in the end had had a profound impact on the people around him. God had been working through him in many ways that he did not see and could not understand at the time. And the same thing is true in our lives. Sometimes we think that it doesn't really matter and what we're doing isn't having an impact. But God is frequently working through us in the lives of those around us by our witness, by our testimony, by our grace and our actions in ways that we do not see and do not fully understand here and now. See, as God's people, we rest in the promises of God that he will indeed come back. We cling, we believe in faith and cling in hope to the promise that God will indeed return and we wait patiently for that day. See, sometimes here and now, we have to hold on to hope and trust that God is going to do something about it, that there is purpose, even in the pain and the suffering we face, even when things don't seem to go our way. We walk with a determined certainty that God is in control, even when we feel entirely helpless. 
We cling to God's promise of freedom in Christ. That no matter how deep or how dark the sins are, that there is forgiveness through what Jesus has accomplished for us. And so as God's people, the hope we cling to is that Jesus is indeed going to return on the last day. That Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, is going to come back and he's going to set things right. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't left us behind. He has sent us the Holy Spirit until that day when he comes again in glory to set all things right. And when those things that we hope for will no longer be a distant promise, but the vision of what we see in front of us in his kingdom as he comes in glory. Amen.